When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello there. So it was another weekend of disappointment, elation, many goals for the opposition team, and at least one manager is now headed for the exit. But enough about my FPL fortunes this week. Game week 15 comprised massive swings due to the server again outing, which led to more panic decision-making and a few addled outcomes as a result. After missing last week, Lucy's back, and she's made up for her absence last time by recording two pods this week. Yes, this is the second of her podcasting stint. She was also on with our friends at Above Average FPL last night. Definitely check that out. Welcome back, Lucy. You all right? Hello. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. I'm relieved to say that my husband has managed to stay out of the minor injury unit this week, so I am able to return to action, although I am looking over my shoulder after Sam's brilliant work last week. I hope for those of you that tuned in last night, I don't repeat myself too much, although the server rant is inevitable, so I do apologise in advance. We are Who Got The Assist. You can find Tom on the main account at WGTA underscore FPL. And you can find me, Lucy, at Lucy Heinet with two Ts. On the pod today, we'll be having a slightly shorter episode than normal, as there's just one week to go. We'll begin with a brief update on where we are and a rumination on how things have gone so wrong after a strong start. And after a mini-league update and market forces briefing, we'll look at those precious one-week punts for game week 16. Just so you're aware, we're recording in the evening of Monday the 7th of November. No Monday night football this week, so we're all up to speed. Yes, indeed. So as Lucy mentioned, a bit of a shorter pod tonight due to the context, really. You know, with one game week to go and all thought necessarily trained towards that, any longer form discussion feels best left to next week in our last pod of this first half. Let's start with the game reviews then. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned there's your server rant on Above Average and it's definitely the truth for me too. I've kind of gotten a bit bored of talking about it or hearing about it already. The whole thing just feels unnecessary in the extreme, doesn't it? Yeah, I feel like we go through the cycle ever so often because they never do anything about it. Um, and I think it's prompted a lot of conversations about what we could do to change it. Could the deadline move? Could they upgrade their servers for once? But ultimately, it feels a bit futile, doesn't it? Because it's never going to change and we're just going to be at the same point somewhere soon, probably this weekend, given that it's mm. the early kickoff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just... Well, what I don't like about it is that it's such an emotive moment in a game where many of us are ultimately quite emotionally invested and them not acknowledging it as loads of people have already sort of picked up on is, is clearly just poor. And yeah, there's also kind of the environment as well. Like I know a lot of you aren't on Twitter, but online on Saturday, there was a lot of kind of mean spiritedness, I think, from lots of observers out there, I guess. I even saw it from Blue Ticks as well, almost taking the opportunity to stick the boot into FPL nerds. And it's certainly, it certainly just felt a bit unpleasant. But I mean, I've lost interest in any debate about the deadline. It should clearly be done just before kickoff, like most other fantasy sports games. I, just wish people would be nicer and more compassionate to each other online sometimes. But you know, that's Elon Musk's world, isn't it? And <laughs> I, I just think that's kind of magnified for me how much more rubbish the last few weeks have been. It's kind of been like the decisions have been taken out of my hands to some extent. And that's detracted from the enjoyment, the excitement or whatever about the game of FPL. Because all I'm thinking about this weekend, as you said, is that if news comes in, and there's something that changes, so Holland's not in the team or not starting again, for example. It, it just feels like it's just going to taint that sort of start. So uh, maybe it's me getting old, but you know, a few weeks 
off in not very long feel like a very nice prospect so yeah not very long until the world cup's here and i'm really looking forward to it <laughs> to be honest and but yeah looking on to game week reviews i think that that you probably see why so yeah 49 points for me and um, down to 61k from 29k in one fell swoop so the fourth red arrow in a row and after things kind of went well for the majority of the first half of the campaign as we've spoken about it just feels like the shoe's been on the other foot for the last few weeks um like my adventure with the deadline was that i felt well okay you know holland's out so i guess i just maybe go with Wilson because I think he had the best fixture to target and you know, like everyone else out there lots of refreshing I was trying to use FFM the Android app that got locked out downloaded the official app which I never used but had to try to use that managed to change my captain I also tried to change my first bench to Neko Williams over Pereira I'm glad I didn't do that because it would have been even worse but yeah I mean obviously Captain Wilson wasn't good I stopped at half time feeling chesty so I got the fixture right, but the player wrong and all the other options I could have gone with. So Salah, who was my vice, I did talk about Trippier online a little bit, Holland himself, all of those players returned and Wilson obviously got subbed off at halftime, but at least Captain Cancelo. And so that's a slight plus there. But yeah, overall, really poor game week with only Trippier, who everyone owns, Holland, who everyone owns, Andreas with a lucky pen and Salah, who everyone on Twitter seems to own, returning blanks elsewhere. And I think Hope conceding that pointless consolation right at the end of the set Saints game probably topped it all off really the joke with Foden continues we'll speak about in just a bit so yeah I mean obviously I'm doing okay in context and some would say I shouldn't be complaining too much at 61k and I feel like back in the days when I was stuck at 500 600k I'd definitely be thinking that but going through four red hours in a row ultimately through things not going my way but with good players it just kind of it does get a bit annoying so the recent travails around the deadline in particular, as I've just mentioned, really were the straw that broke the camel's back bit this week. And I was a bit I was a bit more annoyed than I normally would be, that's for sure. Uh, how did your week go? Well, it's a difficult one. So with no information on lineups, I would have got rid of Zahar. So I got lucky there because his 12-pointer was a very welcome one after a lot of frustration, as I've documented well on this podcast. With information, I wanted to make a double switch. So I was looking at minus four... I wanted to do that very common switch that a lot of people on Twitter have made, which was going to be KDB and Alvarez in. Basically, I went through a very similar process you did, got to the app, still wasn't working. And I basically concluded that it would be incredibly risky for me to take a minus four for a captain that I wasn't even sure I'd be able to get the armband onto. And that, to me, kind of negated the point of the minus four. So I actually just spent the final seven or eight minutes just hammering the button, trying to do Foden to Rashford, because that <laughs> seemed like something mm. that would improve my team marginally without kind of potentially causing problems with captaincy and stuff. I kind of decided that I'd rather try and prioritise that transfer rather than moving the captaincy, because I felt that lots of people would have Harlan captain anyway. So I probably wasn't going to lose out that much by moving. So, yeah. Went for that. I was actually under the impression it hadn't worked because there was no kind of confirmation or anything from the app to say that it had happened. It turns out actually in retrospect that if you were getting a 400 error instead of a 502, a 400 is a, I can't remember, some <laughs> something that's, you know, developer-y. That turns out it worked, that works. So I the 400s right. that I was seeing, that worked. So when I game updated, I now reloaded my team. Turns out that went through. That's marginally improved my score. It's another 59-pointer, two consecutive 59-pointers on a string of 50-somethings. I've I've got five consecutive 50-somethings, so I too have four red arrows in a row. The upside was Zaha, who finally did well, obviously had Salah like you did, didn't move that captaincy, so Haaland's 10-pointer worked out quite well. But unfortunately, I did have Nico Williams first on the bench, so Pereira's points were lodged. I've only taken a very small red arrow from 108 to 112, so that's not a disaster. And I kind of feel like after the initial frustration, it didn't go as badly as I thought it was going to go. I think you can kind of take that, can't you? It's like drawing 2-2 in a game that you like if you were 2-1 down and you kind of got the equaliser in the last minute, even though you were expected to win the game, like there's still something about that, that you, you, the fans go home happy sort of thing. Yeah. So you, you just kind of see the positives. But yeah, I find it very difficult to see the positives. But yeah, no, at the time, 
Like I remember, I, t- I think I texted you, and I you put a lot of full stops on your text when you're angry, and I was just like, uh oh, <laughs> I'm raging. Full stop. I was like, oh god, <laughs> stay away from her. But yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It was, it's good, good advice to stay away from me when I'm like that. Yeah, yeah. At least it worked out in the end to some extent. But yeah, no, definitely. It's been an interesting kind of four weeks, uh, objectively, subjectively a little bit annoying, but I think in the absence of a kind of a full fat pod this week, I promise there'll be a longer wash up sort of pod next week and also a quick exercise at World Cup wildcard drafting. I think, you know, given everything we spoke about in the last few weeks, the pods lurched from being kind of standalone episodes like The Next Generation Star Trek to serialized story like Deep Space Nine. And I think this time, I think I just wanted to talk about, could we have done anything different a little bit? And, you know, what do people who have done well do? Could we have counted it? Obviously, there's an element of hindsight FC here. And you might have been on the right side of all of this. And if so, well played. And obviously, yeah, I'm a little bit grumpy about it all. But the flip side is I'm, I'm not suggesting that anyone who's done well has somehow gotten lucky or anything. It's just a bit annoying that my particular side of the tracks hasn't done well. So think about the powerlessness and talking about not holding your nerve who's done over the last few weeks. Next week, we'll look at more sort of macro level stuff about the first part of the season. But I think here, I think maybe it's worth picking out a few specific choices that people have made, which I didn't, or we didn't, I suppose, and worth discussing maybe to see if you maybe should have jumped on these bandwagons or taken a hit or something like that, or was trusting your team, as I suggested, could be the case last week, ultimately the right thing to do. The first thing, the first micro factor, I guess, in all this I've picked up on is obviously getting in Almiron. So, yeah, shades of Lingard all over again. He's up to 30% own now. 2020-21, Jesse Lingard, 16 matches, 9 goals, 5 assists, 6.6 ppm. I think I only got on him pretty late. And Almiron has managed 68 goals, and 68 goals, 68 points in the last seven games. It was like 68 goals. It does. It? Preposterous. I think what's interesting about that is lots of us have marveled at that one um, in like the FPL engaged core. And there's a lot of people in the FPL community who have completely missed it, or at least perhaps looked down on it. We know we should get this guy, but we just haven't. And if you recognize and have got it, of course, but you could speak about how the stats didn't point to it, yada, yada, yada. But points speak louder than stats in FPL. It's an interesting sort of case in point, because while the likes of Foden have done nothing, and people like us, although under pressure, actively chose someone like Rashford, not going with someone like Almiron, who seemed like an obvious answer, despite all of the kind of drawbacks that he may have if you were overanalyzing, perhaps. Do you think he's a sort of character that maybe we could have, if we had our time again, paid more consideration to? Because I feel like we both kind of mentioned him a few times over the past few weeks, but there's never been any serious consideration given. Is, is that a, a, an FPL manager thing, just being like, oh, the bandwagon is gone, let's just move on to the next one? I think we tend to focus quite a lot, and I think stats inevitably lean you that way in the sense that you tend to look at kind of longer term pictures. You tend to look at players with track records. You tend to look at players that are, you know, so-called talisman. So I think that tends to lean you away from picking up on these bandwagons. And I think there was good reason, given that Almiron's been in the league for a fair few years now, to think that those returns wouldn't be sustainable. And I think actually just in general, there is a problem with understanding purple patches or form or whatever you want to call it. There is a problem with models kind of shaping to those and then how we understand them. Um, so I think given the way that you and I tend to look at FPL, I think it was sort of inevitable that we'd overlook it. And I also think there were other things that happened. So, for example, we both had a natural segue to Wilson this week. If we hadn't, maybe would we have looked at Almiron differently this week? Potentially. I don't know. It obviously wasn't a good decision to ignore him, but I can understand why I did it. And I think it's probably likely that I would do it again. Because what we never pick up on is those examples where a player scores two in a row, we ignore them, they don't score again. And that kind of goes by the wayside. We only ever notice the ones that we miss or that do fly. So... Yeah, it was probably the wrong decision, but it's not one that I... If it all happened again, I'd do exactly the same thing again. I don't yeah. know that that's all good. Yeah, <laughs> that's called survivorship bias. So if, <laughs> focusing on the uh, one thing which comes through a set of parameters and you just ignore all the other ones that don't. So there's a reason we remember the likes of Almiron, that we will remember the likes of Almiron, the likes of Jesse Lingard, the likes of Danny Ings, perhaps. The reason we remember them coming out of nowhere is just because of exactly that. Like there's so many occasions where a player would score a couple of goals, everyone be on him like he's the best thing since sliced bread and goes on to do absolutely nothing. For some reason, the name Theo Walcott is stuck in my head. I'm not sure why, 
Maybe because no, that was that was when Richarlison got injured at Everton. I think it was everyone jumps for Walcott. Anyway, that, that's survivorship bias, and definitely it's true. It's just one of those things where I think about you know my sister who plays fairly avidly these days. I've gotten her into it. Like she got Almiron like three or four weeks ago. She was like, "Oh, he's scoring. Everyone seems to be buying him in. Why not?" And then there's me here sat kind of thinking, oh, if I do this to this, if I do this to this. And we said, we said a few weeks ago, didn't we? Oh, I don't really have much of a plan. But even the fact I didn't have much of a plan was more of a plan than she had. And she just every week, you know, just looked at it and went, oh, OK, well, you know, I haven't really spent all week thinking about this nonsense. Well, this guy's not doing anything. I'm just going to get rid of him and put Almiron in. That wouldn't have been me. And it's just maybe a bit of an exemplification of how uh, overanalysis, overthinking, or just being overly engaged with FPL can lead to some sense of overmanagement with regards to these players. And I think you're really right about the purple patches and models. Not that it would be a good thing that everyone would have picked up on this, but I think maybe there's a reason why he just, it hasn't seemed to have figured to most people's thinking until now when the OR suddenly be gotten so big. And we see this every year with a certain player coming out of nowhere. I think there was a couple of years ago where Aaron Cresswell at West Ham suddenly ended up with like 35% ownership out of nowhere. Because he kept getting clean sheets and kept getting assists. And no one in the FPL community had mentioned it. But all of the kind of less engaged players had seen that this guy was doing it. And maybe it's just one of those anomalies. Almeronomy? No, I can't say it. But you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to do it now as well. Almeronomy. I can't, I can't do it. can't do it. Anyway, another one um, that I think I just want to bring up. And unfortunately, I think we've got to mention it. Is, is KDB versus Foden. So yeah, I think so so many people did it. I know it's not just us. And you know, if, if you were the sort of person who didn't do this or foresaw that KDB slash Trossard weren't problems, then hats off to you. But yeah, KDB versus Foden. Last three game weeks, KDB twenty seven, Foden three. That is opposed to sixty one points for KDB versus sixty four points for Foden in the previous eleven. Just mad. And I can't really begin to even think about the loss there. I think what's really interesting with that one, to some extent, and I don't think I don't know if the pitch is ever going to really come through, but there's an interesting um, tidbit from Pep a few weeks ago that was picked up by Chris Glover at PR Fantasy a little while ago. In terms of players who were holding back ahead of the World Cup, and Pep said, "A player will not play if I smell this. I'm very good at smelling this. Tactics not, but smelling, I'm very good." Pep Guardiola said of any player holding back to avoid injury. I just wonder, it does seem that he's been relegated from basically City goal scorer number two to bit part player, like spectacularly over the course of the last three weeks. And that can't be because Tom has bought him for his FPL team. There's either something like that going on or there's some kind of disciplinary issue. I don't think it comes down to simply to fatigue. I think when there was one benching, you could put it down to that and maybe a push too. But at three, there is clearly something going on. I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think it's a curse, as some people like to tell themselves they have a curse, an FPL curse. There is no FPL curse. It just <laughs> so happens that you manage to buy Foden on exactly the same week that for whatever reason, he annoyed, offended, irritated Pep Guardiola. And that has ultimately killed your FPL team. And at the same time, Kevin De Bruyne has just carried on like the train that he is. So, yeah, that's that's quite a bitter pill to swallow, it has to be said. We've managed to go through a period of not really getting maximum value out of KDB and then switching to someone that doesn't play football, which really isn't very good. It's very difficult to predict. So, I again, I'm not feeling too much like it was the wrong thing to do. I don't know how we could have possibly predicted what happened behind the scenes, whatever that was. So, another just bad bit of luck it's a game of variance so that's what happens unfortunately there are a few things I think I could have done better actually and I did want to pick up on them one is my defensive picks have been diabolical like I should be locked up the Irish guy go on to do it for me did name for me the artist formerly known as Matt Doherty terrible idea don't know why I did it didn't even like it at the time and did it anyway it was just on the whim of two games, whether he might get something and he didn't. And thereafter, he's been a 90-minute headache the whole time. I've also kept Nico Williams, who also turned into a headache. And I've bought in um, Anderson from a defence I don't even rate. So I will definitely review my policy on defenders, particularly the cheap ones when it comes to um, resetting my squad, because I want to have players that I can depend on that I'm not worrying about and that 
I'm confident will play the full, well, not full 90, but at least 70, which I didn't have confidence with those players at all. So I would change that. Yep. No, I, I got I got something very similar to that about um about the defense, specifically Arsenal defense, because we both ditched our Arsenal assets in game week eight. I ditched Gabriel and you ditched Saliba. Since game week eight, we ditched them, and I think there's definite cause to have done this. They had Spurs and uh, Liverpool in quick succession after that, but they did have a Brentford game first, and Saliba got 15 points in that game. Don't remind me again, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I know, cool. I know. But that for the whole period, they've managed four clean sheets and seven. They both clinched 15 pointers. Gabriel, who's missed out on the Brazil squad, sadly, um, got his 15 points against Chelsea this week. And Saliba's still been on first 3% ownership the whole time. And I, I just think that that kind of feeds into it, because I did the same, got rid of Gabriel. I do think it did make sense, but I think I was too slow to jump back on them. And also, you know, I was preaching about not throwing the baby out the bathwater too much on the wild card. I think to some extent I did do that at the Arsenal defence. Not so much with Gabriel Jesus. Um, he's not scored since game week eight, but he has registered still 3.6 points per game since then, which still gives a bit of a an erosive floor, I suppose, to my game week ranks, scores, and game, any kind of gains I've had. And that, mixed in with the likes of Tony and Mitrovic being really, really inconsistent, has meant that selling him for a sunlit uplands of alternatives hasn't really worked out. But yeah, I think you know, the Arsenal defence was definitely something week to week that has become painfully obviously a bit of a sort of a rank threat and maybe you're right in fact you're definitely right that the likes of you know, buying in Matt Doherty buying in you know, Anderson or something that that's just not been a great idea but equally you know if we'd have bought someone like Castagna we'd be laughing right now so it's, it's really swings and roundabouts and just trying to get that right because that would that blow would have been lessened a bit wouldn't it if we got the Castagna and got his what 40 points over the last seven weeks we would be thinking we were geniuses that is true Castagna is never a me pick though so I don't feel bad about that it's the as you said the stuff like moving off Arsenal and never getting them back that to me sounds like a terrible idea I think I will have an Arsenal defender. I don't want to give too much away with regards to next week. I think it's pretty likely I'll have an Arsenal defender after the break because particularly with Gabriel not going to the World Cup, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think, yeah, being a bit more sensible with those picks and not, yeah. not trying to go for these like high ceiling, supposedly high ceiling defenders and just just stick with what works because in the end... That's what your your four and a half defenders or five million defenders are there to do. So yeah, lost sight of the idea that we need somebody. Anderson is that sort of pick, isn't it? The sort of they did get a clean sheet last week. To be fair, now, one yeah. of those one of those players who is a ninety minute man. That's what he's there for. And losing sight of that perhaps is a bit of a problem. I don't know. And the other thing, the only the only other thing I could think of was ignoring Kane. So I mentioned him a few weeks ago as a player who many owners would probably be quite happy if he was kept secret. Thank you very much. Because even though Salah's only 11 points behind him now, there's only been three blanks all season for the England captain, which means that week to week, he's the better option because he'd have given you a higher floor every damn week compared to what we had um, and more consistent higher floors your game week. Your rank would have been better. Maybe it was one of those where he was probably the better option to put your money into all those weeks ago. But equally, I wonder whether that's too much on the side of hindsight. And maybe it's one of those where Salah probably was a good enough bet because at the end of the day, he does have what we were talking about with Almiron, that track record of being worth the money. It's just that Kane happens to have done better than him on a week-to-week basis. I'd agree with that, yes. Speaking of Kane and Salah and KDB and all that, I think there are going to be some interesting decisions around premium players um, when it comes to post-break because I think there's quite a lot of complexity to that, as you've just clarified, and I don't think there are necessarily obvious answers to those questions. You know, it's Haaland and who else? So I think that's going to be quite an interesting one. I, I think there could be quite a lot of deviation. When you kind of take a step away, I think it's quite difficult to make a clear case for any of them. Mm, okay. So if we think maybe Almiron maybe could have fought again, but obviously quite difficult to make the case for him being sustainable. Boden, purely external shocks. Like there's nothing, there's no XPP expected pet pissed. <laughs> Arsenal defence getting rid was uniformly silly and we both deserve to be locked up for that. And Kane is just one of those where, you know, it's just not quite fallen our way. So, yeah, I, mean, I think that's probably four quite decent ones there, really. Um, I mean, do you think that, just to round off the section, I know it's a bit of a short one, but do you think that 
you're going to play differently after the World Cup. I mean, you're never going to play differently after the are you, to be fair. That's probably the, the most Erzatz question I've ever seen in my life. But, you know, um, it, it, do you reckon there are going to be um, any things you will try to do as a result of this? You mentioned, for example, getting an Arsenal defender, trying to revert back to stickability, classic Lucy picks. Is that still going to be the case after the World Cup? Even more so. Yeah, I think I, I lost sight of who I was, which is the ultimate dullard in FPL. So <laughs> what I need to do is go back to being much more dull, even more dull than I was. And um, yeah, get some more defenders and make fewer transfers. So as if this podcast could not get any more exciting, it's just about to get there. Yep, exactly. I mean, on the upside, you know, you're not far off. I'm still in the top 100k, hopefully next week. Barring not a catastrophe, um, things will be a green arrow because we've you know, cleverly given ourselves an avenue to get green arrows by getting enough red arrows that the next week it becomes the X the XGA becomes absolutely massive. Um, it's easy to get a green arrow as you fall down uh, rather than getting green arrow on top of another green arrow. Right. But yeah. Now, hopefully that was an interesting little look at a few different bits and pieces which have affected us. I'm sure some will one or some of them may have affected you. And if you've avoided them all, congratulations. Enjoy the stress ball. Be back in just a moment after the break to talk about one week punts. Give the people what they want, eh? Who got the assist? Who got the assist? All right, we're back and we're into the mini league update very quickly. Uh, top still is Dave Hughes with uh, minus four this week. Uh, sold Holland for Alvarez and captained Alvarez, which is very good. Uh, sold Edouard for Wilson. So he got one point bonus there and sold Foden for De Bruyne. So... I think Dave somehow got access to the service. Maybe he was the server. Who knows? But yes, Dave's 67 points this week, minus four. Means he tops him in the league by just four points at this moment in time. In second, up from sixth, it's Robin Hill, Jonathan Arkpus, who's been in the round top 10 for quite a while. A big 72-point score for him this week. Did do Tony to Wilson like we did. Did Captain Holland, but still managed the 72. So very well done, Jonathan. And third, up from fourth, is Jantan Leather at Robin Smith. Captain Salah this week. It tells you all you need to know, really, behind his 70. Uh, in third, up from 28th, so joint with Robin, it's Matthew Winkler with Durham Scouse. 87 points this week. I I really dislike you, Matthew, just on principle. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but 87 points this week for Matthew. That's a huge week for him. In fifth, down from second, it's Vladimir Rutsky with RSMPZD. 61 points for him. Uh, sold Saka to Martinelli in order to bring in uh, Trossard for Anthony. No, I no, he didn't need to do that. Okay, uh, some interesting moves by Vladimir there uh, in addition to his bench boost last week. But 61 points for Vladimir. Um, still a decent score this week, but not enough to see him uh, retain his second spot. In sixth down from third is last week's uh, third place man, Harry Liu. Uh, Holland's captain did Zaha to Trossard, so a negative outcome there, but still six, seven points for Harry this week. In seventh, staying in seventh is Matthew Little, Little Horse 11, 64 points for him. A sold cane for Solanke in order to buy De Bruyne, but he did sell Zaha to do so. So swings and roundabouts there a little bit for Matthew. In eighth up from tenth it's Lewis Gamby. Uh, Holland this week and Almeronona uh, sold Saka to Barnes, which is quite an interesting shout. Uh, got a goal this week, I believe, Harvey Barnes. So six six points for him. And joint eighth actually, um, Clem Fandango is James James McSweeney. Seventy two points for him this week. Rolled his transfer um, up from eighteenth. And in joint tenth, uh, two risers, uh, box divers Gareth Kells, uh, seventy four points for Gareth, and also Mario Baker. Holland in the points. Uh, also 75 so yeah very similar scores lots of very good scores in the upper reaches uh i was once on the first page lucy of the of the uh of the mid league i was once in the top 100s how the mighty have fallen or probably the pride before the fall was probably a more apt description right market forces time it's happened almiron has finally hit critical mass um, mass adoption 202,000 transfers in for the newcastle man uh, the main person making uh, way for him is Phil Foden. Um, shockingly, 193,000 have sold uh, Foden to buy Almiron. And that certainly makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It's super spoken about. A lot of people just not thinking about the bandwagon kind of paradox that's on our minds. Just going, yeah, he's scoring. Foden isn't doing anything. I'm just going to do that straight away. The most depressing thing about this Almiron thing is that we're now relying on Kukurea, who looked, frankly, almost drunk at the, um, at the weekend, to stop us from experiencing more Almiron pain. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be good, is it, really? Um, in second, in terms of 
players brought in. It is Haaland again. Um, he's been brought in uh, at the expense of uh, Mitrovic and Jesus. So Holland has only five thousand transfers in. Uh, Mitrovic. So are these particularly <laughs> people that sold him? Yeah, must be. Must be people buying him back. I mean, yeah, I mean, fair play. I mean, I know a few, quite a few people sold him for Alvarez, including Dave at the top of the league. So I think people, most people must have had like a one week sort of switcheroo going on with that. So I mean, fair play if it's gotten you the points. I know. Then... Just I think the majority of people that bought Alvarez were funding KDB, right? So. Are they now they can't be getting rid of KDB, can they? So where are they getting the money from? I saw lots of people who had sold just done Holland to Alvarez and maybe uh, just, just as a one just yeah. a one move. Okay. Yeah, fair play. Got got the captain, didn't they? He got nine points, so that's, that's fine. Um, and yeah, Mitrovic and uh, Jesus, the ones to go. And loads of midfield move arounds, actually, in the top transfers in this week. So Trossard, 100,000 transfers in. Uh, Salah, 92,000. And Madison, 89,000. And just rounding off the sales, um, Dallow sold by 100,000 managers. So he was the top brought in player, I think, last week. Um, even though he was on four yellow cards, promptly got his fifth yellow cards and is now spending the next game. So it makes a lot of sense. And Cancelo uh, sold by 181,000 managers. Um, obviously, there's some reaction to him just getting a negative score. But I, I think there was a few tweets at the time that he was sent off um, that really confused the matter because it, it used to be that the League Cup sucked up all suspensions and now it's just if it's a straight red, then it still sucks up suspensions, but not four yellows. Um, and I think that that's kind of why things... Five yellows, sorry. And I think that that's kind of why things got a bit confused and I think some people immediately thought, oh, Cancelo's out for the, until the, after the World Cup now, so I'm going to get rid of him. But yeah, um, I mean, yeah. To be honest, he's not been doing very much recently, so I can, I guess, I can kind of see why you'd be getting rid of him. But yeah, maybe a bit of confusion on some people's parts there too. Salib, they were late to put the Dallow suspension on, so maybe the people just didn't think that the suspensions were on there. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Right, okay, uh, and let's get to the Q and A this week uh, to move on. And I, I didn't really take any questions this week or well, I didn't take any questions. So the Q&A where we've made the questions, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I mean, they're fairly obvious. Um, so I just didn't feel like it was worth it, really, it's just because it, it would just be the same questions um, and it's, it's not particularly difficult to intuit what those questions are. Um, the first one is uh, Tom at WCA FPL writes in, um, Tom and Lucy, what are the one-week punts for game week 16? Can you tell me per position, except maybe for goalkeeper, because I haven't got any notes for those. Um, <laughs> should, should we start Should we start with strikers, Lucy? Because most people are probably going to be looking at Mitrovic principally and wondering what the hell do I do with this guy? Particularly as he might be in Serbia, which was some speculation at the weekend, which is an interesting one. I think that might allude to potentially losing some players, so World Cup anxiety. But, you know, moving on. Um, I am... Probably myself going for um, Darwin Nunez. I appreciate, though, that that's not a particularly affordable move. So if you don't have a lot of cash in the bank, there are probably other options to look at. I saw Sam, who was on the pod last week, talking about Martial, which is far too punty for my liking. But in the, if we are talking about punts and we're talking about, you know, differentials and risky picks then I think Martial is a good one particularly if you don't already have Rashford um, but anyway to, to talk about Nunez for a second um, I think it's likely that we will have a manager at Southampton Football Club but that appointment is clearly being made with eyes on the World Cup break um, so it's going to take more than a few days to bring order and I think Liverpool will probably make the most of it and then to compound the chaos and confusion at Bar Football Club we don't have a fit right back at the moment. Juan Larios, who is a left back, was playing right back in the last game and got injured. Um, Carl Walker Peters is injured. Tino Livermento is injured. Um, so we're left with Ainsley Maitland Niles potentially playing there or Lianco playing there as he did against Arsenal. Um, neither of which are particularly comfortable. And obviously, Nunez has predominantly been playing in that left channel for Liverpool so it, he will be up against whoever is deputising and I think that gives him even more reason for confidence um, his stats are good I, I suspect Tom you've made a note of his stats have you? Yeah I suppose I have yeah <laughs> yeah. third for non-pen XG per 90 whatever that's worth and I also saw he's top for shots per 90 and second for shots on target per 90 at Erling Haaland's first but watch him play just 
loves his, loves a shot, doesn't he? Just just does lots of shots. There's more shots than me at uni, frankly. <laughs> and and he's definitely in for me this week for Mitrovic. Um, well, almost definitely. But as you said, unaffordable for some, but still on Tempson own just about. And I think that yeah, you know, it's, it's probably one of those where. We're all going to be like, oh, we're making a nice exotic punt. And it's like that in you know, the Toy Story meme where there's one Buzz Lightyear and there's millions of Buzz Lightyears. And yeah. we're all kind of going, oh, look, for you. We're, all, we're all doing a, a sexy move for Darwin Nunez. And we look at it and we think, oh, actually, it was a natural selection for everybody. So there you go. And um, forwards generally have been rubbish, haven't they? Despite the recent mini resurgence. So we'll touch more on this next week. Um, but yeah, Skamaka failing to perform for West Ham, for example. I think loads of people had their eye on him at one point. And, and it's, you know, we are looking at the likes of uh, Tony Gloves, Martial versus Fulham. As you kind of inferred, um, Sam Epple Pricey, high on his appearance at WCA, and clearly just drunk. There's nothing to say about this except he's a total punt against the worst defence in the league, according to expected goals against. And he's not put 7% owned. So it makes a lot 0. of sense. 0.7. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a that's a high, high different high differential doesn't make sense. Uber differential. Big differential. I guess also if you are wanting to to replace Mitrovic and you don't necessarily have money in the bank, then actually the one player from this this sort of tier who has looked any good is Dominic Solanke, and he is at home to Everton in the final week. So if you were really strapped cash, I would probably go there if you just want, you know, a cheap move and you don't have money to upgrade. Yep. The only other one that I had vaguely in mind here uh, is Wally Watkins at 7.1. And yes, I like that. I do like, who have they got finally? Uh, They're away at Brighton, um, but they, Brighton, Mm, I like it less now. Brighton, (laughs) Brighton are a bit leakier with Deserby. And a fun fact for you, he's actually in the top 10 for non-pen XG this season somehow, uh, Wally Watkins. 1.9% owned. And also an interesting fact, he's actually fifth for XG underperformance this season behind, oh, who? Uh, Paddy Bamford, Danny Welbeck, Solly March, and Gabriel Jesus. So, yeah, um, to the surprise of everybody, uh, Ollie Watkins has not been the most accurate in terms of converting his chances. But, you know, you could have a one-week punt, especially with Unai um, seemingly uniting the team behind him. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, that could definitely be one. But yeah, I think Darwin for me. Um, and But if you're kind of casting around, you know, you could do worse than Watkins. You could do worse than Gloves. And you could do worse than Slanky. Actually, no, you couldn't because there's no one else below him in the price bracket because Eduardo's injured. So, you know, it's, it's forwards are crap. They really are. <laughs> right. Uh, midfielders. It's obvious pickups, that Almiron bloke. Probably Never Trossard. Probably is the case just by Almiron, isn't it, Lucy? I mean, anyone that you've kind of picked up on here? Well, I don't want to sound like a massive hypocrite, given that I was going to sell him last week. <laughs> but Wilf Zaha did play centrally last week because Eduard has been out. If Eduard is still out, I still like him away. I think Zaha away at Forest is a good pick. And I also think Eze probably hasn't got as much attention in FPL circles as he should have. He's only 5.7, I think. So quite a good one if you maybe already have Almiron or for whatever reason tripled up on Newcastle and can't get to Almiron. I I don't think there's there's much wrong with that as a pick either. Um, those were the two I want to say. Midfielders also potentially, if you really want to punt, Kudzewski versus Leeds. Came on against Liverpool, looked quite good. Got an assist straight away, didn't he? Yeah, I think there are worse options than that. And Leeds always look like they're going to leak goals. So, yeah, that, those were the ones I had. Fair enough. I mean, I did have a Madison versus well, Moyes and West Ham. I think Moyes' seat has become a lot hotter um, since the, the Palace game. Um, that can't have been great. And Leicester have roared back from being crisis FC. I'm, I'm not sure it's uh, being motivated to get on the plane. It's more being motivated to give a middle finger to not being on the plane for Madison and then Leicester in general you know from being nowhere the non-pen XG is now strongly mid-table and he's a talisman for Leicester so that could be one that you think about Um, as is Harvey Barnes um, three goals in the last four games 1.7% ownership a similar non-pen XG to likes of Bowen and Martinelli so yeah he's done very well this year actually quietly well not very well but well enough uh, this year quite quietly uh, Jared Bowen as well. He's actually sit from the performance at the moment, actually, um, behind Wally Watkins. So one that you could think about. And dare I say it, but 
considering uh, continuing along the uh how am I going to put it? The, the the new manager bounce sort of under Emery? Leon Bailey. Another, I was about to say another Villa player, isn't it? Leon Bailey. Calm down. I know, I know. <laughs> at Brighton, it's not that good. I know, I know. But, you know. You, yeah, Leon Bailey, to be fair. New manager bounce, Lucy. 4.2% own. New manager bounce. New manager bounce. We all love it. He must be very cheap. How cheap is he at the moment? God knows. It's like zero. <laughs> 4.8, I think, at the moment. Yeah, so, you know, that's... So even if you had a tiny bit of money in the bank and Pereira, maybe, you could get there just for a little little fun punt. It's 4.5. And do you know what? He's actually the second highest scoring Villa player. The reason I don't know that, I didn't know that before I just checked, is because I've not looked at Aston Villa since the start of the season. No, well, I, I still haven't looked. At least you've looked now for reviewing punts. I, I'm, I, I'm astounded that they're even on any table. <laughs> they're, even, they're, they're even a team. Yeah. <laughs> Rich for you to say as a Southampton yeah, fan, fair. yada yada yada, tribal <laughs> FP of football stuff. Um, anyway, um, and also I think it is worth mentioning we both own Rashford. Um, him or Bruno against Fulham, who are the worst expected goals against team in the Premier League, could be decent. Yeah, I did have punts. Bruno actually, and just overlooked that on my list. Sorry about that. And there's also, as I said, in terms of buying in Rashford earlier on. The idea that you might be able to save some money uh, with owning this guy, because I think that eventually he's going to be pretty popular. Um, obviously, there's no price rises on the World, World Cup wild card, which we've got this next week. Um, but after the World Cup, Nottingham Forest at home, Wolves away, Bournemouth at home, assuming he's fit, I suspect he's going to be quite well liked. So if he does do well against that in Forest in 17, so a really long terming half strategies here, but if he does well in that game, then you can make some money. Yeah, I mean, that was primarily why I bought him last week when I had to kind of panic, make a transfer for Foden, just on the basis that after the World Cup, I still want him. So I might as well go for that one. Um, I think that that makes plenty of sense. Yep. Even though there aren't going to be any price rises, so that's probably, you know. Slightly... No, probably not. Probably not going to happen. Um, and defender-wise, I I think there's two. Trent down to 9% owns and definitely you know, time could be nice for him for a haul and um, Robertson similarly at 4% I've got I've got nothing I've got no data behind that and if you do if you have dredged up some data behind that well played but you should probably go and work for the government uh, because that is massive sophistry um, but yeah I mean but either of them could be decent and the other one is probably Perisic um, from, yeah that was who I had from three at Spurs leads at home that's, that's not bad at all is it yeah, and quite gettable. I guess for a lot of people, Trent and Robertson will be out of reach. So Perisic is the kind of easy one to get to if you are looking for a defender. I have to say, I'm not sure I would pick any defenders if you're looking for a kind of high ceiling option to try and maximise your points before the break. I probably wouldn't be looking there unless you have some kind of crisis at the back. Um, no, no. I think I'm I'm, I'm probably, and we'll get onto this in a minute, I'm transferring captains. I'm just going to be letting my defence limp into the World Cup and yeah. target the punts forward because at the end of the day, I think that's where you're going to get the highest upside. I mean, it leads on to a natural question from uh, Tom at WGTA underscore FPL. Um, I think who, I know him. Yeah, who said, uh, dear Tom and Lucy, would you take a hit if you have a lot of issues? Uh, for example, if you own Mitro, Dallow, um, and you're fed up with Foden, et cetera, et cetera. Um, would you take a hit this week um, with one week to, for it to pay off what do you reckon i mean personally no but could i see a good argument for it yes i could actually because there are enough kind of issues and absences and problems and more so than i think we ever expected especially we've got like dallow and mitro for for me to think that you could get upside out of it but obviously i would never do it in a million years that's my position i think that if, if you're relying on the likes of you know, neko williams or something to come into your team i mean there's definitely a performing versus old club narrative about Andreas versus Man Knight, for example. So you might argue that you're probably okay with him playing, but I mean, if you are losing out on like a lot of your value has been lost by players you are missing, then I can kind of see why you do it. Um, mm. I mean, for us, we've got, uh, we've, we both have Anderson. We both got Matthew Doherty. We both got Neko Williams. So we both got a defender, for example, that we could look at and go, hang on a minute. Is it worth going for some upside here or doing something with this or finding a way to get Trent in for one of those players via removing someone like Mitrovic and you know, doing a whole shuffle around? I mean, you could feasibly do that, but I said to Sam last week and I said a few times, I'd, I'd love to see 
how often players score either above five on any given game week and above seven on any given game week. I think it must be single digit in terms of percentage points. Um, And I think that that's what you're relying on, like quite a lot of things going your way for it to work out. So I just, I just don't, I, yeah, I mean, I'm going to try not to basically to stop the bleeding. Um, But I, I, I think I agree with Lucy. If you know, I can see why there would be a case to take a hit, I'm just not doing so. <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah. Um, and the final thing, and it's quite difficult to probably answer this uh, again from Tom at WTA underscore FPL. Oh, just won't leave us alone. Um, and <laughs> how much will motivation and or lack thereof uh, people wanting to preserve themselves from injury pre World Cup be a factor this week? I mean, do you think this is going to be one of those weeks where? Um, we might see a lot of nil nils, you know, low scoring games, like one ones, because players are pulling out of tackles, not giving themselves, not not kind of being motivated there to factor. And it reminds me very much of kind of the now sort of slightly discredited on the beach idea. And um, I just wonder whether ahead of the World Cup, we might see a few players either not play at all um, due to something going on um, or just there being some level of difference in terms of performance. I mean, probably it's an eye test thing, isn't it, rather than anything else? I mean, what do you think qualitatively it might be like this weekend? Uh, I think people should brace themselves for the fact we may see, you know, a surprise absentee here and there. I don't think it should be such a factor that you try and, you know, beef up your bench or something to prevent against it, because I I think it will be just so random there's no way you'll know what to do. I think... There has been a lot of speculation about Mitrovic and I would be surprised if he plays um, just because it seems like he might have an eye on the World Cup. Um, I think in terms of it being a motivation for players, I think probably that ship sailed. I think you'd be looking at an absolute stormer of a game to put yourself, you'd have to call like a hat-trick or something to put yourself in the reckoning if you weren't already there. I think it was the last few weeks that would have made a difference there. So I, I think that's probably gone. As to whether the how that has an impact on performances in terms of people preserving themselves and there's a lack of intensity, etc. It may be that it doesn't result in nil-nils, but it results in three threes. So I don't know how it will go because if people are pulling out tackles, maybe it's easier to, to score goals. Um, so I think it, there's going to be some kind of quirky, weird aspects to this final week because it is so unpre- unprecedented and unusual to have this break in the middle of the year that we don't really know how it's going to pan out. But I would prepare yourselves for a bit of weird swing and variance and things not quite going as we expect them to go um so yeah I've, I've kind of just sat on the fence again there but you you've got used to that by now yeah um well tom whoever you are um i'm gonna echo elizabeth the first by saying i have no desire to make windows into men's souls but i just i mean it's all something you can that will come out in the wash and you might be able to intuit the facts that your player didn't score or your player didn't go for the diving header in the 93rd minute when he could have scored to mean whatever you want it to mean. But I think this is one of those facile arguments which is going to be trotted out across the media and um, actually is just completely irrelevant and really annoying. You're an idiot, Tom. Right, let's move on to our teams this week, transfers and captains. And we both mentioned we're doing uh, Mitro to Darwin, which is... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if a lot of people will be doing it, but I'm sure, you know, from Southern Reese James, et cetera, et cetera, there'll be loads of money floating around, which will probably mean people are able to do so, Lucy. Um, anything, I, I'm sure there's there's no sort of hit potential anywhere. We've both got, you know... Matt Doherty. We've both got Anderson. I think yeah, I haven't s- decided between those two. They it's, could it's, change. It's... My goalkeepers could change. I haven't decided between those two either. So that that's a thing. Bench order could easily change. I've basically got four players: Matt D, Nico Williams, Andreas, and Anderson. Don't really particularly want to play any of them, but I'll play one of them and reorder some of them in an order. I, I I'm interested though that you've got um Andreas first on your bench. Is that just by going by the theory that he might do something against his former club? He might get a penalty. <laughs> oh, a penalty! Oh no, I do quite like that theory. Okay, that, yeah. Um, I also so, noticed that obviously you've got this Foden issue. How are we feeling about Foden? Will any leaks have any impact there? Um, potentially. I mean, I, I, I haven't really got the wherewithal on the bench to count for Mitrovic not being around. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mitrovic doesn't play this game against United either, because neither of them are games where. 
I, yeah. I can imagine that the Fulham hierarchy give a crap about whether they win or lose. Um, so could I be one of these people who takes a hit at the last minute, potentially? And maybe I should look at all of those midfield options that we spoke about earlier. And maybe I should kind of think, oh, you know what? Maybe I should be looking at a Madison or something like that. I simply don't know at this point. And I I don't know. I, I, I hope that this is the week where Foden bites back. But hey, who knows? Um, but yeah, I, similar to you basically across all of that where it's just a case of choosing between those four players you mentioned and just hoping it kind of configures itself nicely um, with Darwin coming in. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'll do about Foden. I really don't. It's one of those, it's one of those where I'd love to have an answer, but I think my answer is probably going to be a frenzied answer uh, about, <laughs> about 11 o'clock on, on Saturday uh, when I'll be sat on the train, I think, which is going to be even more fun than normal. Ooh, that's tense. I know. Tell me about it. Oh, well, I can just blame the tunnel for anything going wrong. Um, <laughs> hang on. That's a Brexiteer argument. Anyway, um, and <laughs> captaincies uh, this week is Erling Haaland. Let's hope that things go back to normal, right? Yep. I can't see. Anyway, it won't be unless we get a leak, in which case I'm not going to get rid of him. I'm just going to be Captain Salah instead. I, I saw, yeah, I saw lots of people um, tweet on, you know, oh, Oh, this looks. Oh, I'm going to try this on for size. Oh, felt cute. Might leave it there with a picture of Salah with the armband on. And I was just kind of like, ah. But it's you know, cat, isn't it at this stage? Not for a long ago, uh, that we would have done that, wouldn't we? Really, or we'd be paying it I more mind. I actually forgot how to celebrate Salah's goals this weekend because I got so out of the habit of a Salah goal meaning anything in any way because it was in the old days where you know everyone had him captain. They um effective ownership of 190 percent or whatever i kind of had lost that sense of salah ever being a differential so when i looked at live fpl and was like oh that's had a big impact because i didn't realize he was only 30 percent owned that's beautiful beautiful very very nice isn't it and hey we shall see how it goes um and who knows he could end up being our captains we simply don't know at this point we'll score wilson a bit chesty think he'll be back he'll be fine yeah yeah he'll be all right Right, and I think that is your lot. Thanks for listening, everyone. We were Who Got the Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and at Lucy Hynett with two Ts. If you enjoyed listening to the pod, please like and subscribe. And for new listeners out there, if you think you'll be coming back, please hit that five-star rating across platforms like iTunes and Spotify so more people can enjoy the pod. Yep, thanks everybody. Uh, the next London meetup for FPL Meets, I will be there. Not sure that will put people off or encourage them to go, but who knows? So if you're listening to this, I'm sure it will be encouraging you. Hopefully, hopefully it's not some sort of weird, <laughs> weird, <sure>. weird <laughs> act of masochism. But it will be at the Thirsty Bear Waterloo 62 Stamford Street, obviously in London this Saturday. All the televised games will be shown, so three games to get through. And we'll be there from, I guess, about midday, something like that. Please do come along um, at FPL Meets on Twitter. And if you do want to come and you're not on Twitter and whatever, do pop us an email at WGT, sorry, at who, no, there's no app for an email address. What's wrong with me? Uh, Who... (laughs) who got the assist at gmail.com and i will get that arranged uh, for you to arrive as well you can come and find me i'm sure you know what i look like but if you don't just ask around is tom here is who got the assist here and someone will eventually point you in my direction so we'll be back next week with something a bit more substantial looking back over the course of this first half of the season and hopefully a bit more insightful in terms of, I guess, kind of how it's gone and maybe a few sort of trends we've noticed uh, and things that we'll take into the next half of the season alongside some World Cup drafts too. And yeah, back on Monday. Cool. All right. Well, we hope this is to June and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Farewell. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.